Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. July 8th through 10th, and I'm excited about that. Grab your Bibles, if you would, and go with me uh, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6, we are in a series entitled Revival, and uh, what we've been doing is we've been studying the book of Acts. If you want some notes, you can lift your hand up. The ushers will get those to you. Uh, you can also get those uh, by going to our app, and um, uh, get the app and follow along with the notes. So I know many of us uh, still uh, joining online. You can uh, get your notes via the app this morning. Uh, but when we started this series, we started just talking about revival, and uh, which took us to the book of Acts, which has the first and one of the greatest revivals of all time, 3,000 souls being added, then later on 5,000 being added. The thing is just snowballing, and people are getting saved. Uh, people are getting healed and touched. Generosity is taking place. The church is growing. It's a pretty epic story. And we won't get through the whole book of Acts uh, in, this, in this series. Maybe we'll do Revival Part 2 sometime uh, down the road and we'll jump back into the book of Acts. But uh, we'll actually be concluding this series at the end of June. Uh, but we've just been diving and looking about uh, the idea of revival, what took place, um, and why we're doing that is because we believe that God's doing uh, things like that right now, that he's bringing revival to his church. Do you believe that? That he's reviving us to a place of, 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 of intense prayer, that we have this desire to want to pray and want to communicate with him. He's bringing us back to a love for his word, amen? Uh, that his word really is, man, the answer. Um, he's bringing us back to a love for corporate worship, coming together as the body of Christ and worshiping with one another, being in community with one another, serving one another. And Why is this taking place? Well, the word revival uh, literally means this, renewed attention or interest in something. And so God, by the Holy Spirit, has been renewing our interest in, in the things of him. Coming to this, this uh, you know, it's not like it's something new, but he's just bringing attention back to it. And that's what's taking place in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6. Hopefully you're there. Going to read a couple different portions of scripture here out of this. Uh, again, what's taking place, miracles are happening. Uh, lives are being touched. People are being added. Uh, people are being added to the ministry team or the, the teams that served. I mean, it's just this snowball, and it's an epic thing. Well, what happens now is because the church is growing so fast and people are being added so rapidly, there's a need for more leaders. Um, the apostles had to stay focused on preaching the word. These would be uh, those that are leading the church, focused on preaching the word, uh, prayer, hearing from God, uh, directing the church. And so what they did is they, they added more leaders to the church to help pastor the people and love on the people. And they took some time and they prayed and God directed them to add these people, people full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, knowledgeable in the word. And one of the guys that gets added, his name is Stephen. And so we're gonna read about Stephen today. Just a couple of verses here. Acts chapter six, verse eight. And it says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. That's a great quality to have as a minister in the kingdom, isn't it? performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Now, I want to pause there because I want you to understand something, that some people misunderstand the book of Acts, that they think the book of Acts is the acts of the apostles, like, like only the apostles could work these miracles, only the apostles could see these signs and wonders. Well, right here, here is Stephen, who is not one of the apostles, uh, but he is actually a, 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 a leader within the church, and he's helping out, but it says that he performed amazing miracles, they're happening with the people. Here's what we need to understand, that as Christ's followers, God can use any believer at any time in any way he chooses to use them. We talked about this in our series. He's just looking for people that are open and willing 
and keeping themselves set apart so that God could use them. So here's a man full of power, full of grace, performing many miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some of the men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started a debate with him. They were Jews in these different places and providences. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. In other words, these people were jealous of the way he was being used. So they persuaded, this is what they do. They're jealous, they want positions of authority and power, they don't feel like maybe they're being used or their gifts are being used, so they become jealous. Verse 11, so they persuade some men to lie about Stephen, saying we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say this, Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council started, stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Kind of cool being lied about and God just lights him up. All right. In other words, you don't need to defend yourself. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? Okay? So they ask, hey, are these accusations true? Here's what Stephen does. Stephen takes the, takes the next many verses, if we were to read the whole thing, and he begins to stand up and proclaim the truth. He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't try to, try to come up with things, well, what about this, what about that? He doesn't, what he does is he just presents the truth of the gospel. Pretty powerful. Now go down to the end of chapter, uh, chapter 7 here. And, uh, and here's what happens. All right? Let's see what verse we're going to pick it up in here. I'm going to pick it up in verse 54. Verse 54. So he gets done preaching this and proclaiming the truth, and these people don't like hearing it. Here's what happens. Then the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations. They weren't accusations, though. He just spoke the truth. And know this. I want you to know something. Anytime you continue to stay focused on the truth and speak the truth, it'll irritate the enemy. Now, here's what I'm saying. Are people the enemy? No. Uh, but oftentimes what's working behind the scenes within the people is the enemy. Okay. But anytime you stick to the truth and speak to the truth, man, it's going to, it's going to make the enemy angry. They, they, so here they are, they're infuriated at Stephen's accusations and they shook their fist at him in rage, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven, saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now I want to pause there for a moment. Um, because I want to talk to you just, just real briefly here about this idea of Jesus standing. Many, many people have looked at this scripture and said, why is Jesus standing in this moment? Because the Bible in every other place said that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father and he's living to make intercession on our behalf. He's, he's, he's the go-between. Why, why is he standing? And there's been this talk back and forth. What, what, why would he see Jesus standing and why would the Bible say that? Here's what you need to understand. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's above all and he's before all. He is the king. When you study out kingdoms, and the only time that kings were seated in their palace was when they were at a time of rest and a time of peace. But when kings were not on their throne and they were standing, it means they were at war. Here Stephen sees Jesus, the king of kings, standing. Why was he standing? I believe he was standing because he was fighting for Stephen. 
I believe Stephen saw the King of Kings standing in that moment because Stephen took his stand in the truth, did not defend himself, but said, man, as a believer, as a Christ follower, I know who the one is that guards me. I know who the one is that protects me. I don't need to fight in this battle. Come on, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is gonna fight this battle for me. And he stood in truth, and because he stood in truth, here is the King of Kings standing. And the Bible says, and he saw him standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears. How immature are these people? You ever done that before when someone's saying something you don't wanna hear? La, 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 la. I can't hear you. Now I know you're all adults and you would never do that. But here they are putting their hands over their ears and began shouting, because they didn't want to hear what he was saying. And they rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Are you, are you reading the story with me? His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, which later becomes Paul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, listen to his prayer. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. And he fell on his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. He's been lied about. He's been mistreated. Uh, they, they, they come and they put like, like a wedge between him and the other leaders. Now they physically drag him out of the city. And now they are murdering him. And with his last breath, he says, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And then he died. I don't know about you, but those are not the last words coming out of my mouth when someone's throwing rocks at me. And to prove my point, I know those aren't the words that are coming out of your mouth when you get cut off on the freeway by another car. So if you think you're so spiritual and high and mighty that, oh, that would be me if they were murdering me. You can't even handle yourself on the freeway. But here he is. I think that maybe we can learn something from Stephen today. I wanna to talk to you for the next few moments, things the Lord hates and how we handle them. God, we thank you so much. God, for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments, God, that, um, that you would just take these verses and, and cause them to come alive to not just those in this room, but those that are tuned in right now online. God, in living rooms and, Lord God, cars or cafes, wherever they're watching, God, that this word would just come alive and that you would teach us something from your word today, that you would teach us something from the life of Stephen. And God, I also pray that you would help the girls win the regionals this week. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Does anybody in here have like a little bit of a pet peeve? And you don't need to raise your hand, but just think about it. What do I mean by pet peeve? Something that just kind of gets under your skin, something that aggravates you a little bit. Um, you know, if it's, if it's somebody you don't really know and they do, it probably doesn't bother you, but like somebody maybe you live with, like a spouse or a kid, and there's something they do and you're just like, oh my gosh, why do they continue to, to do this? And it just kind of gets, does anybody, does anybody have something like that or am I the only one? Like there's just something, oh, I guess you guys are all too, you know, high and mighty. Your pastor has one of those, okay? Actually, I probably have a couple, okay? Sometimes they can be big things. Uh, other times they can be little things. Uh, my wife knows me well. For some reason, I don't know what it is, like something big can happen and it doesn't really bother me. 
Uh, but it's the little things that kind of get under my skin, and I'm just kind of like, could you please stop doing that, or I'm going to lose my salvation, <laughs> depending on what your theology is. Okay. Um, and one of those things, and I'll just have an open confessional right here, one of those things is I'm always the first one up in the house, um, and the first thing I do is I go and I turn on the coffee maker, and then I go and let the dog out of the kennel, and then I go right back to the coffee maker. Now, um, my family has a habit of when they make their coffees, they have a spoon and they stir up their coffee or whatever. But then rather than putting the spoon in a proper place, they like to lay the spoon that is all dirty now on the coffee maker part where you put a cup. Thank you. I got somebody else in my corner. And so what happens is, is either A, the spoon got moved and I didn't realize that and I put my coffee down to make it and then now the bottom of the coffee cup is dirty and so when I go and take it somewhere, it dirties up everything. Or they just leave it there from the morning before because they're up after me and then the next morning it's still sitting there and now it's stuck to the thing. Come on, somebody. And I have to clean that thing off before I can make my cup of coffee. It's an extra added step that just absolutely aggravates me and gets under my skin. Okay, I'm just being honest here. And they know that, and I'll tell them, like, yeah, Dad, we know. And I'm like, if you know, stop it! Because if you know, now you're intentionally aggravating me, right? That's the way I look at it, right? And it's just this thing that, that kind of gets in there, and it's just like, oh. You all know what I'm talking about now, right? These things happen. These things happen whether they're little or big. These things happen in the church and these things happen in the Bible and these things are actually taking place in the passage that I just read you today. Let me, just, let me just set it up for you real quickly. Here's what's happening. The church is growing. People are getting saved. People are being added as leaders now, Stephen being one of them. And now miracles, more miracles are happening. And man, this is epic thing that's just snowballing and it's happening and it's growing. It's the way the church should be. The church is a living organism. It's never meant to shrivel up and die. It's never meant to shrink. There's no stop to it. Come on, the Bible says that the glory of the latter is gonna be better than the glory of the former. Come on, there are gonna be more that are for us than against us. Come on, revival isn't, oh, oh just now. Revival's gonna continue until the day Jesus returns. And he, the Bible says he's returning for his pure spotless bride. But let me tell you something. He's not just returning for his pure spotless bride. He's returning for his large, magnificent, beautiful bride full of people. Are you with me? It's a church. And there's no end to it. It keeps growing. It's the most exciting thing happening on the planet today. Are you with me? And there's no better place no better place than the church. Here it is and it's growing and man, revival's taking place. And then all of a sudden the enemy knows there's one thing that gets under the skin of God. It's one thing. He wants to create division, he wants to create conflict, he wants to, he wants to create, create issues. So here it is and in this moment, and he, he goes for it, the enemy goes for it. Know this. That, man, being in, in a revival setting, what are we talking about? In a renewed interest for the things of God. Because you know, revival can seem so big, like, oh. we're just talking about people falling in love with God all over again. Falling in love with the word all over again. Wanting to be in the presence of other believers and wanting to be a part of a small group. And man, I, they're just, I wanna be around those people, right? This thing, when that happens, the enemy is going to want to attack and create division and create issues. And that's what takes place right here. And he uses the very thing that not only gets under the skin of people, 
But literally, man, the Lord doesn't like it. Let me, let me take you to Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. I believe it'll be on the screens for you too. And I want you to hear this. But the Bible says, now I want you to hear this because there are some things on your list that you, that you hate and you detest that aren't on God's list. But listen to the things that are on God's list. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. That's a pretty strong word, right? Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Like, just cannot stand the spoon on the coffee maker. Come on, somebody. What are they? Here's what I want you to do as we read them, okay? I want you to compare them to your list. And I don't mean the simple list of the coffee, but what are things that you think, man, that's a sin and I just detest it? Also, I want you to think through Man, how can I avoid these things and make sure I'm not a part of them? Here it is, verse 17. A proud look, doesn't like it, detests it. A lying tongue. What's taking place here in the book of Acts? Man, some people that are, are in the midst of this revival don't like how Stephen's being used, and so they go and they get some people to lie about him. Well, the Lord, the Lord hates that. Lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Now, I want, you, I want you to hear this. That doesn't say a, a person that carries out wicked plans. It says a person that devises wicked plans. You ever sat around before thinking about how you can get even? Coming up with a plan, man, if this happened, ah, that would teach them. I guess I'm the only one. Heart that devises wicked plans. Listen to this. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Verse 19. A false witness who speaks lies. That's taking place in Acts, isn't it? It's a false witness. They gathered some people together to speak ill of one of the leaders or one of the people in the church. Anybody ever had that happen before? No? Okay, again. Man, I gotta, I gotta hang out with you guys more. Yeah, you've probably been there before, right? Somebody's saying something, maybe at the job place, and you're just like, that's not even true. Well, they're, they're jealous of you. They're just trying to get ahead, right? The Lord hates this. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. What does that mean? Uh, this is now, now this is speaking specifically of the church body. Listen, the world is the world. The world is gonna do what the world does. What did Forrest Gump say? Stupid is, stupid does. The world is, the world does. But you know what? Christ, Christians, are you with me? It's talking about Christians. As Christians, wait, hey, don't do this. Don't sow discord among. What do we mean by that? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody else about somebody else in the body of Christ? Don't do that. You're sowing discord. You're creating conflict. I'll just take it from my remember when I was growing up in the church and someone had a conversation with me about somebody else in the church, the next time I saw that person, I looked at him through that lens. Right? Well, guess what? God don't like that. Matter of fact, here's what it says. He hates that. That's not how we're supposed to handle things. If you, if you really feel that way about somebody, the only person that should know is that somebody. Not even your spouse. Look, I know that God gave you a spouse and you can work things out and talk with somebody, but if we're gonna get real biblical about it, the only person that should know you have a conflict with them is the person you have a conflict with. Yeah. 
unless it doesn't get resolved, and then you take it to the leaders of the church. Not to social media, not to Facebook, not to Twitter, not to Instagram, not to Snapchat. I don't know what all the other ones are. I was gonna say Pinterest, but I'm pretty sure that happened on Pinterest, right? <laughs> unless you're pinning them, ah, pin that person! <laughs> Teach them to ever do that again. I'm sure that's not how Pinterest works, but whatever. <laughs> I might be on Pinterest if that's how, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Listen to what it says. Man, anyone who sows discord among the brethren, these are the things he hates, he detests. It's happening here in the book of Acts. Here's the thing we need to understand. Don't do that, but then on the flip side, in real time, how do you handle those things when they happen to you? Here is Stephen, in real time, living a Christian life, being a leader within the body of Christ. This wasn't his full-time job. He was like all of us, working and being a leader in the church. Working and being a leader in the church. Working and serving in the local church. And miracles are taking place, and God's using him. He's full of grace and full of the Spirit. But then all of a sudden, there's some rumblings and some complaints. Now, in real time, how does Stephen handle it? Stephen teaches us how to handle these things. Let me just show you a couple of things real quick. I, I learned so much this week, I'll be honest with you, just studying Stephen and his approach and what he did. Things the Lord hates, we just talked about it and how you handle them. You handle them like Stephen. Number one, what's the first thing Stephen does? I'm gonna learn from him today. He focuses on the truth. He focuses on the truth. He's being lied about, and then so the leaders come and say, hey, are these accusations true? And he doesn't defend himself. How many of you guys, it's your first, you know, initial reaction to say, I'm gonna defend myself. That's me. Like, like I just immediately go in defense mode. Like, hold on a second, that ain't, Stephen doesn't do that. All Stephen does is focus on the word and preaches the gospel and says, here's what, here's what happened, here's the Bible, here it is. What is he doing? Now, in this sense, he's actually focusing on preaching the word. But the principle is this, is he's focusing on the truth. Here's what we need to do when those things happen, when the, 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 the enemy is moving and manipulating people and, and whatnot and lies and uh, people sowing discord and saying that whether it's your job place, whether it's in your home, whether it's on a team, how are you gonna handle it? Well, let's just focus on the truth. Here's what you gotta do. You gotta step back for a moment and say what is true about what is being said, right? Because here's the thing, sometimes what people are saying there might be a sliver of truth to it. And so you've gotta step back and say, okay, what, what about this is true? Okay, let's dive in there. But what happens too often times is we dive in on the person rather than on the issue, right? And so now we become people-focused rather than issue-focused. And when we bring things to people, sometimes we become people-focused rather than issue-focused. And so what we need to do is we need to focus, what's true about this right now? What, 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 what happening here is, is true? And so Stephen here focuses on the truth, evaluates and says, okay, preaches. Check this out. We talked about it last week, Philippians 4.8. says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. How many of you know that Man, as we went through this weird last, what has it been now, who knows, that it's been hard to find truth, 
right? Like, you just want to know, like, what are we really up against? Like, what, what's, what's, what are we really facing here, right? And then, I mean, the term fake news, right, has become popular, right? And everybody now claims fake news, right? Um, sometimes it's hard to find the truth, but once you find it, you gotta stay focused on it. And let me tell you something right now. I believe this with all my heart, whether it's your marriage, whether it's business transactions, whether it's relational stuff, whether it's healing in your body, whether it's mental disorders, guess what? God's word is the truth and can speak to every single issue and matter in your life. So you know why the Bible says, hey, it's your word I've hidden in my heart. Meditate on his word day and night. You know what you need? We, we just need more truth, more truth. Where do we get it? Right here, his word. Stephen focuses on the truth. Just stay away from fake news, right? What is that? What is that in our context as a, as a, as a people, as a church? Gossip. Stay away from it. Again, if we got an issue with somebody, the only person that should know is the somebody. Well, I just wanted to evaluate it with seven of my closest friends. That's gossip. <laughs> that is, that's gossip. You don't need to evaluate with anybody but you and God. And here's the thing, if, if that's the way you really feel about somebody, you just go talk to them. And I guarantee you nine times out of 10, you're gonna discover actually that they're not like that at all. There was just something built up there. and Man, restoration and forgiveness takes place and man, the church is a beautiful thing. Focus on the truth. The second thing he does is uh, he focuses on Jesus. So he preaches, now they're getting angry and look at what it says. It says that his eyes, come on, were fixed on Jesus. I mean, you know, that's a good place to have your eyes fixed, right? I mean, the Bible even tells us right here in Hebrews 12 too. You wanna write this down? I don't think it's on the screens, but it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Where should our eyes be? On Jesus. When I'm walking through the conflict, where should my eyes be? On Jesus. When I'm dealing with some issues in my marriage, where should my eyes be? On Jesus. When I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some health stuff, where should my eyes be? On Jesus. When I'm trying to make sense out of, out of, out of life, where should my eyes be? On Jesus. Man, just fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And we don't walk by sight, we walk by So fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he authored it and he's gonna finish it. And that's how we walk. Reminds me of the old song. Turn, I wish I have a better singer up here. Your eyes upon Jesus. I guess you guys don't know that one, okay. <laughs> the young people are like, over here? Oh, over here, over here. Yeah, they could. Love that song, listen to it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon him. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes. His eyes were fixed on Jesus. And listen to me, if we would fix our eyes on Jesus more, we might see what Stephen saw, a king that is ready to go to battle for us. Too often times we, we don't fix our eyes on Jesus when we're walking in the midst of something we don't understand. We fix our eyes on the problem and we fix our eyes on the person. We fix our eyes on the situation and all we see is, is this, this raging battle all around us. 
And we think that, man, I've got I've to I've just, you know, get through this moment. No, you don't. You don't have to fight this battle. You've got to stand still, fix your eyes on Jesus, and see that the battle belongs to him. The battle is his. See Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father, going to battle for you. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're walking through, no matter what the situation is, here is Stephen, and he focused on Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Lastly, and we're gonna finish it, finish it up here, number three. Number three, this one gets me. He focuses on forgiveness. He focuses on forgiveness. Here he is. Just stays steady in the truth. Gives him the truth. They're coming at him now, and he's, no, I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus, and there Jesus is going to battle for me. And then here he is, drug out of the city. They're no longer lying about him. They're actually killing him. And he wants to go in peace. And so he holds no bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness in his heart. And he says, don't hold this against them. Forgive them. And then he goes in peace. Being a pastor now for quite some time, um, and it's one of the most eerie, I think, feelings ever, um, to sit with somebody as they're actually dying. If you've never done it, it's, it's honestly, it's, I don't even know how to, how to describe it when they breathe that last breath. And being a pastor, has been a handful of times where I've been there, holding that hand. One time it was with a lady I didn't even know, but they needed a pastor to come. And I was pastoring in Vegas, and I just sat with this lady. But without fail, every single one of them want to confess things, want to pray for forgiveness. Why is that? Because they want to go in peace. Listen to me. If that's the last thing people want to do before they die, why not just settle it now and live in peace the rest of your life? Why wait? Why wait until you get to that last moment where I, got, I just got some things I got to get off my chest. I got, some, I got some resentment. I got some bitterness. I got some unforgiveness. I got some things here. You know, these people, they did this to me and that person did that to me. Why not just let it go now? Why not just walk in forgiveness? Why not focus on forgiveness right here and right now and live in freedom all your life? Well, why not get to that place so that, man, when you see that person, it's like, hey, what up? And there literally is. Now listen to me. Forgiveness doesn't mean you continue to be best friends all the time. I mean, if someone slaps me once, I can forgive them. They slap me the second time, I can forgive them, but I ain't hanging out with them anymore. Are you with me? Like, it's okay to walk away. It's, that's okay. But do not walk away bitter and angry and upset and holding on to something. Just let it go and then focus on the truth. The truth is, man, I don't like being slapped. And so I forgive you, but we just ain't going to hang out no longer. And if you're not okay with that, stop slapping people. Truth. Are you with me? I'm using the natural example, but how many know that there are people in your life that can hurt you over and over and over and over again? You, you, know, you can forgive them, but at some point, you just gotta be like, look, I gotta guard my heart as well. And so, but you gotta be honest and truthful with them. Hey, look, here's what's taking place, and I'm just not down with that. And so I forgive you, 
But until you get some help, we're just not going to hang out anymore. And that's okay. Are you with me? But he focuses on forgiveness. I don't know how he did it. Man, again, I mean, think, about, think through your life right now. How many people that you are holding something against? And it's, you're, not, you're not in a healthy separation mode. You're in a, like, I don't even want to see that person. Like, I, I don't want to be around them. That's not healthy. You got something in your heart. Here's the thing you need to understand. It's holding you back from the greatest freedom God has for you. Remember, the Bible talks about it. The Bible says, hey, if you're coming in and you want to present a, a gift, first go, go make yourself right with the other person. When, when, when Jesus teaches the disciples about prayer, a big portion of that is about forgiveness. Like, like hey, I want to forgive others as I myself have been forgiven. Why is that in the prayer? Because it's hard to do. Right? But here's Stephen. He's like, man, I'm not going to die with anything in my heart that is wrong. I'm going to go in peace. And I'm going to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords holding nothing back. So, Father, don't hold this against them. Here's my question to you right now. What are you focused on? And right now, who and what are you holding something against? Can you be like Stephen today and say, you know what? I'm not going to live in that cell any longer. I'm not going to live in that pain any longer. I'm going to be free. Because again, the lie of the enemy is that, yeah, hold that grudge against them and keep them at arm's length and never. You know what? You're putting a wall around yourself. You're closing yourself off to healthy friendships and relationships and things that God wants to do in your life. You think that you're, you're hurting them and really you're hurting yourself. And God wants you to find freedom. God wants you to face it, to deal with it, to, 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 to let things go today so that you can walk in the complete freedom. Are you with me today? That he has for your life. Listen to me, if you're here today and, 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 and hopefully the message and what Stephen does can speak to you. Say, Pastor, how do I know? How do I know that there's things in my heart? Well, let me ask you a question. When you receive a text from that person, how does it affect you? When you see that person, maybe you go to the same church, maybe you work together, maybe you're on a team together, maybe you go to school together, how does it affect you? Just ask yourself. And if there's something there, just go make it right. Listen, don't, don't, take, don't take cues from the world. Don't take cues from what you see on the news. We're the church. We're better than that. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're to be the shining beacon of hope and light that everyone looks to and says, oh, that's how I handle that. That's how I walk through that moment. I don't have to hold on to anything. I can just let it go. And I can be Christ-like because I'm, I'm gonna focus on the truth and I'm gonna focus on Jesus and I'm gonna focus on forgiveness. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna walk in that. And as we walk in that, see, see a lot of people are like, what does it mean to be the light of the world? It means to be like Jesus. It means to take your cues from scripture. It means to look at this and say, okay, I'm gonna be the light of the world. I'm gonna focus on whatever's true. Whatever is honorable, whatever is a good report, I'm gonna focus on Jesus rather than the problem, the circumstance, the situation. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on forgiveness. I'm gonna be quick to forgive. I'm not gonna, every night before I go to bed, 
I don't even know if my wife knows this, but every night before I go to bed, before I fall asleep, I pray this prayer. I say, God, examine my heart. Examine, I'm not saying you have to do this, I'm just saying this is what I do. God, examine my heart. Do I have anything in my heart against somebody before I go to bed tonight? Because I want some rest. I want to sleep in peace. I want to have good dreams. God, do I have anything in my heart? And obviously, if it's too late, I'm not going to text that person or call them. But I'll just pray right there and say, God, will you forgive me? And then if I need to go personally and make that right, I'll do it the very next day. Don't, 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 don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't take bitterness to bed with you every night. It's a bad bedmate, man. Don't, don't, don't take unforgiveness to bed with you every night. Don't take resentment to bed with you every night. And get some rest in him. Seek forgiveness, live in forgiveness, forgive others, be quick to forgive. Focus on that. How do you become quick to forgive? By focusing on Jesus. So I'm gonna do, I wanna ask you to do me a favor, just close your eyes right now. And I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, and, but I do want you to do this. I want you to just right now take a moment, just evaluate your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to evaluate your heart. And just say, Holy Spirit, search me. Do I have some bitterness? Do I have some unforgiveness? Do I have some people I need to talk to? I wanna be like Stephen. I wanna live in freedom and in peace and in joy. I wanna make sure I'm completely free. God, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna think about people that way. I wanna have positive thoughts about people. I wanna have good thoughts about people. I wanna, I wanna focus on the good things and the great things. God, they're your son, they're your daughter. You created them in your likeness and your image. Who am I to hold something against your son and your daughter? Who am I? God, help me. I wanna walk in forgiveness. Say, Pastor, how do I do that? Sometimes it's just a conversation between you and God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt you to actually go and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and just seek forgiveness with that person. Sometimes you can't. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it is an email. Maybe it's a text message. Maybe, maybe you have no more contact. Maybe it's something that happened in your childhood. Man, last night, man, we had our small group and someone shared with us something that happened at the age of, of seven. And here they are now 47 years later and they finally found freedom in the last couple years of their life. Held on to that thing for some 40 years. Don't do that. Live in freedom today. Live in forgiveness today. Live in peace. Live in joy. Live in hope. Live in the glory of God. Live in the freedom of God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that each and every one of us would examine our heart. That, God, we would truly in this revival moment become the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Lord, God, not just by, not just by speaking gospel messages, but by living it out every day. By walking in forgiveness. Our eyes focused on you. Our eyes focused on the truth. God, let us be a place that is quick to forgive. Let us be a people that is quick to forgive and let things go so that we can be that shining light that, God, you so desperately want. Lord, I believe there's a reason why Stephen's face lit up so bright because he was walking, Lord God, in your glory. He was walking in your truth because he was quick to forgive, focused on the truth and focused on you. God, let us be a people that always focuses on the word. Let us be a people that always focuses on Jesus and let us be a people that walks in forgiveness in Jesus' mind mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Hey, look, if, if you need some help navigating some of those things that we talked about, if you need help, maybe it's just someone to pray, pray with you and give you the strength to go and walk out forgiveness. Man, we're here. And so I'm going to ask some of the pastors, some of the small group leaders to come on up.
And if you need prayer for anything or if you need help navigating any of that, we would love to help you. God bless. Stick around. Grab some food. Send a kid to camp. Get to know somebody else. It's going to be a great summer. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.